Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. I'm so glad you are joining us today. We're continuing on in our topic of continuity, the sermon series that we are currently doing at the Rock Church. I am Michael Erdman, and to my left is Shane Beeson. And my name is Tyson Lambertson. And I'm Tammy Lambertson. It is awesome to be able to walk through this. If you were a part of last Sunday, we went through godly ministry, and Pastor Shane brought an amazing message that covered kind of the litany test of what a godly ministry would look like. And so we're going to dive into a little bit more of some of the topics that he brought up in our sermon. And I'll just jump in and say, uh, I'm quite challenged by this. Um, It's always uh, both enjoyable and challenging when you get into the word and begin to preach something that provokes your mind, your heart, your spirit on um, what we are called to as leaders and as ministers. And um, if you're listening for the first time, the, the topic here is godly ministry and it's one of the key parts to this message was how do we know what godly ministry is and how can we discern what it is? And um, it was challenging for me. Tyson, you had some insight. I'd love for you to jump in and take us uh, forward in this. Yeah, well, thanks, uh, thanks for putting my litmus test out there for everybody to judge my godly ministry. <laughs> or your godly ministry, or your all of ours, all of our ministry, right? So it was just right out in front of of this, and Paul was talking to the Thessalonians about what godly ministry is. And Shane, before we started there, you talked about resources to guard against deception. There's a lot of deception out there, and there are people who, in our circles, in our Pentecostal circles, uh, go way too far extreme into spiritual warfare and all those different things, and you really have to know what is truth and what is not. And you talked about the Holy Spirit. You talked about the body of Christ. Uh, we need other people and his word. And so his word, the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ coming together and being in community with all of them really help you guard against deception. It does. Those are three great um three great tools to guard against it. And the enemy has a counterfeit for every one of them. Yeah, yeah, um, like with the moving of the Holy Spirit, is it hyper emotional? Um, is the body of Christ, you know, we can just hurt each other so, so quickly. And um, we are human. And so trust can be broken there. And then with his word, there are so many um, <clears throat> interpretations or memes, or did the Bible really say this? And it's like, that's not scripture at all. And so it really is up to us to stay in tune and do our own research and be students of the word and know it because the enemy has great counterfeits for each one of those tools that would help us guard against that deception. Right. The, and, and I think about immediately, I think about what you're saying, and I think about this, there are movements in Christianity that want to um, say, even from that full first tool, the Holy Spirit, well, the Holy Spirit is not moving, mm-hmm. or the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. has some sort of box around him, can't do whatever, or the mm-hmm. gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. Whatever version, there is this uh, narrative out there that Dis, tries to discredit that. And then we can even go to the second one. Oh, the body of Christ. And we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but difficult conversations, hurt in the body of Christ. Uh, there's, it's so easy to find an excuse 
why not to be connected to the body mm-hmm. or not to have a community of faith around you. It's easy to get offended at every little thing. So the enemy uses those. And then just, Tammy, like you said, the word, I mean, we have movements out there that just um, essentially are saying the scripture, the Holy Bible, which is our um, one of our major tools for learning about God, God's history with man, and how to combat uh, the tools of the enemy. Um, there's people out there that are immediately discrediting, or even within the body of Christ, we want they want to take verses constantly out of context to. Um, which is is really just as harmful to me because you're creating a new narrative or a message out of scripture that is not true. So then when the storms of life come, um, all of a sudden what it does when you don't have a good foundation in the word and you have all these verses out of context, it's a house of cards. And then Mm -hmm. the storms of life come, your house gets washed away like the house on the sand. And then people go, what do they say? Oh, God's not real or the word's not real. And it's, that's not accurate. Yeah. The, the word is real. God is real. All those verses that you pulled out of context to fit your personal narrative in your life, that's what's not right. real. It's using it like as a magic wand. God's not working for me. Well, I'm kind of mm. glad I don't serve a God that works for you. Amen. You know, just, <laughs> but that's exactly what we could, that is the tendency that can happen with using scripture as those cherry picked weapons. So I thought just coming out of the shoot talking about ways to guard against deception were great. And then Paul gives kind of his job description and what godly ministry looks like. And he starts right out in verse one about opposition and woe to you when all people speak well of you. Uh, for, for so their fathers did to the false prophets in Luke chapter six, verse 26. And so Paul's talking about this accusations. And one of the sub points you didn't mention in your message, but was there was accusations are always not always true. Mm, yeah, and uh, I can talk about this now. Just recently, uh, we Tammy and I went through a time where we were being uh, sued unjustfully, and it went from county court to district court, all the way up to federal court, and it was it was ludicrous, ludicrous the things that were being said about me and Tammy was sued on a whole different side and obviously the charges got dropped because there was nothing there but i'm thinking lord we have done everything we can to keep our name above reproach and yet we're still getting throttled uh so that opposition piece really struck a chord with me that if you're gonna if you're gonna be a godly minister and you're gonna walk worthy of your calling you're gonna have opposition like crazy uh so i don't know if you guys have ever had that type of opposition but it's it's intense. It's really intense. It is, and I, I love what Paul says here in verse 2 because it's about the boldness that he had in God to declare the gospel of God in the midst of conflict. And um, any time I feel that we are with boldness declaring the true gospel in a generally a society that is not really receptive of truth, um, we're going to face that. And what you were just talking about, Tyson, is false accusation. And when people are angry, when they don't like what you have to say, when they don't like what you're doing in the community, even though it's good, they don't like it. And then what do they do? Their their first uh, you know option of recourse a lot of times is they'll just throw whatever out there, which is what this individual was doing is let me make up the most ridiculous things 
I can make up to get the most attention to uh, to drag somebody else right, down. Right. It's insane. It is. It's crazy. And then pure motives. Uh, man, there are so many ministers and so many people that are not in it for the right reasons. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you see flattery in social media of about, look at me. They're, they're the face of everything. Uh, there's... There's this desire for unhealthy affirmation, uh, how many likes you get, how many comments you get on a post, uh, how many people are in the seats, all these different things. So easy, it's, get, it's easy to get away from pure motives. And yet Paul saying, hey, I've come to you with pure motives, pure motives. Thoughts on that, Mike? I think our society has made godly ministry a popularity contest. Hmm. And it's not necessarily the word. It's not based on actual biblical truths. It's based on societal norms. And it is. It's about, do I sound good? Do I have the most listens? And and a lot of us buy into it in ways that we don't even realize it. Well, I don't need a church because I have an online church. I have a celebrity pastor. And it takes away from accountability. It takes away from community. It takes away from any of these um, points that we talked about in our godly ministry for our homes, for our own personal lives, because we're all called to be right. ministers of God. Um, I like what you, the first thing you said was a popularity contest, because I feel like sometimes, especially with social media, with that motive issue, with a pastor's heart, putting their name and their face and stuff out there, it's a popularity, but we whitewash it as influence. Yep. I'm making a difference for the kingdom. I'm impacting the kingdom. It's like, no, you just want to be popular. or I am just wanting to be popular. It's like, well, I'm going to take that uh, post down or I'm going to, if I get any type of um, negative comments or reaction or not enough likes, am I going to get insecure? So it really is a heart check um, daily to maintain that godly ministry. So it's not just a popularity. Yeah. yeah p- people will use any good sounding line to be an excuse to hide their true, true motive, mm-hmm. their p- pure motive. They say, Oh, um, people need to hear the gospel. I'm going to share this or, Hey, uh, God, this area needs God too. Or we need to be we need to put out more good stuff because there's so much bad stuff out there on social media when really all they're really saying most of the time is I'm going to use this line line to mask the pure motive, which really is I just want to be like X celebrity pastor out there or gain those followers or gain that influence. And the saddest thing I've ever seen is when somebody has an online following, but they can't even lead their own home or their own community. Um, they have this false online world and they can't, they have no actual experience, um, around them. Actually, the most offensive thing to me is when someone that is, has a good online presence gets promoted to an area of leadership where in which they have no experience And then they come in and they try and lead something, even with other leaders, maybe leaders leading leaders, and all they've ever done is had a good online presence, and they've never done any of the work themselves Mm, in person. Which leads to the next one is hard work. We all know that our society is struggling with hard work. We'll just pass the buck. We'll we'll, we'll try to get away with as, as much as we can 
with as little work as we can. And it's, Paul is saying, hey, you guys got to overcome weariness and it's hard work to stay tender. It's hard work to stay gentle. It's hard work to stay loving. But this is what it takes in godly ministry. You have to work hard. You don't just sit on your hands. It's just not a one day a week job like most people think. Uh, there are late night calls. There are early morning calls. They're in the middle of the afternoon crisis. There's all these things that take place, plus the business, plus plus the relational side, plus the spiritual side. You got all these things happening, and it takes hard work. And our society is not cut out for that. And we try to take that into the gospel, preaching the gospel, and it doesn't work. You have to work hard for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think to piggyback on that is the hard work, yes, is is absolutely in the people and the physical part of the ministry, but some of the hardest work that we have to do as individuals is in ourselves and to keep this uh, internal and to keep the growth happening so that we are able to follow the, the gospel that Jesus lays out. If we're not doing the hard, hard, hard work ourselves, it's never going to be something that can stand out in society. Amen. It's so much more than just the competencies. Um, My brain immediately went to um, AI, chat GTP. Mm. I mean, the the putting together sermons or anything that, um, like that keeping your motives pure and working hard, it is that internal work because there's so much false, if we're still guarding against deception, how would we even know if the pastor wrote his sermon or if he Googled it before he got up to preach it? Right. You will know is when they get in the room and they're put to the fire. It is a house of cards. Mm-hmm. Their character is not developed enough to sustain the responsibility of the influence that they're going to be given by God. It'll crumble. Yeah, It'll that's crumble. Good. That's good. Uh, that's that I immediately thought of was character. I think one of the the hardest jobs as a minister is to have uh, with this opposition and motives and all these different things, our character is challenged constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord is always leading us forward. He's always using opportunities for us to grow, but then everything around us is also challenging us, giving us opportunities to grow in our character. And we have to say yes to the hard work to be able to do that. And um, uh, man, I'll, I'll just these first three that we've talked about so far are so challenging to me because uh, my flesh says, hey, opposition, give up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do I really want to face opposition? Because facing opposition is hard work. It takes, it's, it, there ta- there's an emotional side. There's a physical side. There's a part to your family. It can invade your home, right? Um, always challenging my, my pure motives. When I see other influencers or other ministers, I'm always, there is this natural thing of like, hey, I want to be your, that flesh part of you is like, oh, hey, I want to do that. And then you or go, I want to be or I want to be like this pastor. There, yeah. Or I want to follow. I want to dress. I want to act. I want to feel. And my I heart want to goes to immediate judgment. Man, I don't want to be that. That is so wrong. Right. That is, and that's and it's just not as all, evil. Yeah, that's that just is just as, evil. as yeah, yeah. That's just as. So wrong. there's a balance with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then honestly, hard work. And um, you know, I just got to share a little bit of my own story. Here is I in the and I still we still give a lot, but I've gone through seasons of my life where I've given everything to ministry um, with 
resulting in massive burnout, resulting in uh, depression, resulting in w- to where I've been so depleted that um, it's it's just beyond anything I've experienced, right? And so my I look at the third observation from this week and I'm like thinking, okay, godly ministry will be full of hard workers. And I look at hard work and I do like to work hard, but then I also go, uh, I know what it's like to work so hard that you give everything. And, and I know there's a balance in there. There's a healthy way to do that. And God is for us in that. And, but I, I do, I look at it and I go, oh, I know hard work. Mm. And this week when I was preaching, I'm going, what does that mean to me right now? Um, where is my balance of uh, workload versus uh, family life versus whatever else, you know? And so it was challenging. It's provoking me. So, right. So go ahead, Tim. Um, well, that goes back to what Mike said, the hardest work takes place inside. So now you're moving into a season where it's not the hard work about others, but challenging that, okay, where did I not have boundaries? Where did I um, sacrifice my family or was out of whack? God do renew a right spirit in me. Yes. So that hard work that you're moving into is, ooh, the hard work about yourself where you didn't have proper boundaries before. Because one of the verses says, um, the hard work of overcoming weariness. Hmm. What does that look like? How hard is it as ministers? I think the first thing we lose is our ability to be ministered to. Mm-hmm. And that's hard work to get that back and to overcome weariness. Mm-hmm. How do we take care of our own soul when we're expected to be the keepers of everyone right. else? So we're talking about this list of godly ministry and kind of the, the litmus test of, of checking, to, checking in to see if this is godly ministry or not. Uh, the next one is blameless nurturer. Uh, we saw the upright, devoted, above reproach. We talked a little bit about that. Obedience, uh, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice is what the scripture says. And so we need to be obedient when the Holy Spirit tells us to do certain things. And then we jump down in to preach the word. Uh, that This is one of the reasons why I love to do verse by verse is so that I have to preach the word. It forces me to preach the word. It forces me to dig in uh, and respond in faith and do those type of things. This, this next one, resistance from Satan, mm-hmm. um, this, this is interesting because uh, a lot of people don't realize the pressure when you are leading a godly life, the resistance from Satan and how it's, the, it's leveled up. Let's talk about that. Mm. If you can't, I believe if you do live the life of above reproach or whatever, and you're, you're walking in obedience and all of these things, the resistance will come in areas that you did least expect Hmm. your kids, your wife, your friends, your neighbors, whatever it is, there's going to be attacks in ways that aren't necessarily, um, you know, it's not like, Oh, there's a demon behind every bush, but there's these things that distract you from the desire to even go on. And this is kind of with the weariness. I think, um, there's the weariness of being ministered to, and there's the weariness of, of leading, but then there's a weariness of uh, continuing to take the next step in obedience because it does, if you're not living a godly ministry and a godly life and being filled up by the spirit and, surrounding yourself with the people that are also living a godly life and going this direction, the weariness will overwhelm you. 
Yeah, the I resistance think of, becomes too much. I think of the word discouragement when I see that weariness too. And um, because these things, even resistance from Satan being hindered, it uh, one of the the ways that that gets me is discouragement. And when I, 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 it's like getting the air sucked out of your lungs or you're, you're trying to do something, you're trying to reach somebody, you're trying to say something. Um, and when then you face opposition, you face resistance and it's like, like it gets, the life gets sucked out of you. And this goes back to the hard work. This is the funny part. They're so intertwined because what it's saying, essentially there's these elements of saying, well, godly workers don't give up. They, they press through, they press on. Um, and I love even this uh, seventh observation here, resistance, because Paul says again and again, I tried to come to you. I wanted to come to you again and again, but Satan hindered us. Um, but yet he didn't quit. And that was the key. And like you said, Mike, sometimes the most, um, the greatest resistance I receive are by the ones closest to me. And that, so it's also, um, if I'm not balanced inside and I'm, I'm not growing in my character, like what Tammy's talking about, that can suck the life out of me. It can discourage me so deeply that makes me want to quit. Well, the thing that I, 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 in the text that caught me, is that Paul, in all of his apostolic authority and power, Satan still hindered him. Mm -hmm. And just because you're a pastor or uh, somebody who follows Jesus and tries to do godly ministry, and you are going to be hindered. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Right. Satan doesn't need to hinder someone that's complacent. Exactly. Satan doesn't need to hinder someone that's not walking worthy of their calling. He's because already got him. Yeah, yeah, he's not making, you're not making a difference for the kingdom. So um, the point is, if you don't see the enemy um, putting up resistance in that ministry or in that home or in that life, are they really walking the walk Mm -hmm. or do they just have a a good Sunday game? Because why does the enemy need to bother if you're already complacent? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, just for my life and for Tammy's life, uh, the opposition and the, the attacks of Satan have been, absolutely crazy over the last several years. And it's always in-house. It's always, um, I, the enemy always attacks us through the women and children. I mm. mean, if he wants to get to Tyson, if he wants to discourage Tyson and defeat him, he will, uh, the enemy attacks through me and the kids. And so I look at this list of eight things. I think the last one on there is invest in people. I love it. The last couple of verses of uh, for Thessalonians chap- chapter two, but I look at this eight list and where, um, as pastors, it's just at the forefront to apply it to the church, to apply it to our work. But, um, for me, my priority has always been our home with our kids, with, uh, my marriage and the family I'm building. So is my home, um, what kind of opposition do we face? Um, where do we, where do we work that out? Are our motives pure? Am I only wanting my kids to be successful and popular and make good grades? Or am I wanting them to learn and be respectful human beings and love the Lord? And, you know, what kind of character am I helping their, them develop? Or am I just looking for the blue ribbons? Mm-hmm. You know, those. so all of the attributes that you look for in a godly ministry, my first ministry, my first priority is my own heart. Uh, my my own house, making sure that that's right. And then, of course, with the kids. And you kind of, we rapid fired the last five, but obedience is a big one for me because 
I see the ripple effect. It's almost like a chain link. Um, my act of obedience will encourage someone else in their small mm-hmm. act of obedience to their small act of obedience. It's like, man, because God said that to me through you, I now have the empowerment to go do what he's told me to do. So yeah. I, that's the part I love about the obedience is that it's, there's a chain reaction. Yeah, it's a great, great connector to the home, godly ministry in the home. All of us are ministers. All of us are. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we need to take care of this. And then he talked about invest in people. And this is what I love about Paul is always about people. And that Paul would say he didn't need a crown in heaven because of these precious ones, but he loved them so much that he, their story encouraged him. Mm-hmm. And though, though he couldn't get there because we talked about the pressure, the, the people coming against him, the opposition, uh, he still had a pure love and joy for them. That's right. And uh, tying that in, both what you just said and Tammy, I want to remind the listeners out there, there's two aspects of this. This is our, how do you um, test yourself in your ministry, your personal ministry? And like you said, Tyson, everybody's a minister. It doesn't matter if you have a title or you work in an organization as a minister, everybody's a minister wherever they go. And then how do you... um, Dis, uh, discern other ministries. There's two aspects. So your own ministry and other ministries. And that was the whole point of this message is here are some ways, here are some things to look for. Um, here are some tools to use the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, his word. Um, and uh, it's so funny because there's really in all of this, there's opposition. So I see um, the enemy trying to bring opposition in the tools that we use to discern. Um, and then I see in uh, this writing in first, uh, Second Thessalonians, or I'm sorry, First Thessalonians, um, I see these eight observations and I go, oh, I see in that itself, in all those eight observations is opposition. They each can carry some sort of op- opposition. And um, it just reminds me that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but principalities and powers. And um, that will be the case um, while we're here doing ministry. And every bit of ministry that we do here on the earth um, will be in opposition to the earth's current state until uh, everything is made new. And um, I think that's really interesting. Um, I'm challenged. Yeah, me as well. I'll close, I'll close with this. Clark said this, Every man who preaches the gospel should carefully read this chapter and examine himself by it. Most preachers, on reading it, conscientiously will either give up their place to others or, pur- uh, or purpose to do the work of the Lord more fervently in the future. Hmm. I love that thought because my my kind of final thoughts was, man, this is a great um, way to grade my own paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. It was like, oh, I can grade my own paper or uh, another godly ministry that you're looking to be a part of or a church organization. We can grade our paper here knowing that it's okay to not score 100% because you're not going to be um, firing on all cylinders in all eight categories, but just giving 
allowing grace to work there and okay, we have the answer key. Yeah. We have the answer key. Mm-hmm. We know how to get there. And I think my percentages will flux daily. Yes. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> I may be 75% today. Oh, tomorrow I'm 80%. Oh, I'm down to 50%. Yeah. But I love that. And that's the whole point of the scripture is it is a, we can use it in yeah. that, in that way yeah, to test ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Any closing thoughts, Mike? I'm encouraged to know that I'm not alone. Yeah. That there's been others that have gone before me that have walked through this, have been able to give the insight through God's word in how it's supposed to look and share their own shortcomings such as Paul does. So, you know. Yeah, I just think about this in closing. Um, There is an element to our modern society that wants to make Christian ministry seem like this shiny, polished, unscratched, perfect thing. But yet when I read this scripture, it's everything but Mm -hmm. that. And when I look at individuals like Paul, um, fathers of the faith, faith, apostles, I go, wow, it's bumped, bruised, scratched, cut, beaten. And I go, hmm, that should tell me something, shouldn't it? Mm. Interesting. Um, Tammy, would you close us out and just kind of bless the people out there today? Sure. Um, Thank you for joining us. This has been a great discussion. God's Word is our all-sufficient guide for faith and living, and I hope that you find time to rest in it this week. Blessing means that we walk in favor and protection, and that is our prayer for all of you. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. 